Emily has a very strong background in mathematics and uh, she's working on a very technical, uh, above my head, um, mathematics problem for one of our customers. Uh, we're building out an algorithm for them. And, um, you know, she was saying, hey, James, you know, I, I'm having some problems here. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure you know, what we should do. And so she and I, we sat down, we met. Um, I was basically just listening. You know, I said, well, you know, can you explain it to me? And, um, you know, throughout that, she started whiteboarding things out. She started, you know, doing all the mad scientist work on the, on the chalkboard. And, and she figured out a problem. And I'm just, you know, kind of being a person there, listening, understanding, asking questions. Um, like I said, it's definitely above my head, but um, just being available to each other to um, kind of riff off of um, is so important. This week on the podcast, we have the Spark Tech team. Um, they are a, a business that focuses on software development, um, mostly in project areas, um, but they kind of talk about how they coach their clients um, through their employees, but then they also coach their employees in the process. Um, so yeah, we can ha- we're going to have a little bit of a different um, vibe this week, but it should be fun. Uh, we'll jump right in. Well, welcome James and Emily to Managing the Way podcast. We are so excited for you guys to be here today. Um, would you guys like to give us a little bit of a brief introduction of who you are, what you do? Sure. Uh, my name is James. I uh, own SparkTech. Uh, we are a software development company. I started the company uh, about, let's see, in 2014 is whenever we went uh, full-time. Uh, I've been developing as a professional software developer for over 15 years now. And uh, I went to uh, LCCC, um, uh, which is Lorain County Community College, and uh, did two years there, got my associate's degree. I uh, started um, to work on my bachelor's degree, but then I got hired at a startup, a local startup, uh, doing software development work. And uh, one thing left, you know, led to the next. And I um, didn't finish the degree, but I, uh, you know, started a path uh, doing software. Awesome, awesome. That's cool. Emily, how about you? Yeah, um, my name's Emily. Uh, I've been working at Spark Tech for about three years now. I do a lot of everything, but I really, really like combining making things work really well and making them fun to use and creative. And so my background, I have kind of like a super varied background. Um, I have bachelor's degrees in physics and math. And I was like thinking about grad school. And then I was like, well, I'd like something a little more creative, a little something a little more fun where I can do a lot of different things. And that's when I met James and we've been working together since then and it fulfills pretty much everything I wanted from that. Awesome. Yeah, that's super cool. So basically to give our listeners a little bit of a glimpse into this, we actually invited James and Emily on because they own a company and they combine um, managing their people with managing their um, clients and helping their clients understand how to use software, but then also um, really empowering their employees to be able to teach these people how to coach well. Um, so I guess, James, would you like to just give like a little brief, I guess, view of what that looks like for your company? Um, yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, so it really all starts with the customer for us. And you know, we are a project-based company and 
you know, so in the sales process, we have to learn about the customer, um, what processes they're doing uh, well, what processes need improvement, um, and you know, that's where it starts. Um, and so what we do is uh, whenever we're talking to, you know, a, uh, a potential customer, we'll um, assess the situation uh, to see, you know, well, what is it that you're asking us to do? You know, because we're a custom-built software company, uh, we also do integrations. Uh, we do everything from, you know, building e-commerce websites to uh, working with IoT, uh, such as uh, one of our projects is working with um, uh, a, on a biological uh, project where uh, they're testing blood. So we're, inter we're creating an interface between the um, device, the IoT device, that is uh, testing the blood and then the, uh, the researcher on the other end. So we say, hey, um, you know, what is it that you, you want? And then we'll ask them the questions about how they have it set up right now. How are you solving the problem right now? Or are you not solving the problem? Um, and then we'll give them advice on what we think is you know, appropriate course of action. Um, now, in order for us to be able to give that advice, you know, the employees and myself, uh, we all need to be educated on the latest and greatest technology out there. So, you know, we offer um, our employees education through um, something as simple as LinkedIn Learning. Uh, we also have uh, role-playing sessions uh, with the sales team, particularly um, with clients of ours that we've already sold. And um, so there's a lot of uh, variation there. Um, and it's a very long answer, but uh, that's how it starts for us. Absolutely. Emily, do you have anything else to add to that? Not really. That does sum up what we do pretty well. There's always a long discovery phase where we try to kind of get from the first step of the client saying, you know, this is what we want. And there's always a little bit of time where we have to figure out like, oh, this is what they really want. And they were like maybe thinking a little like six steps ahead and we need to find the next step. But there's always that time where you have to blend what you actually need to do based on what you're told to do. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. for sure. So I guess how do then you almost like pinpoint and take that step back with your clients and customers? Um, do you wanna speak on that a little bit? Yeah. So. What we'll do is, and this is all part of our discovery phase, which is a very important phase. Uh, we'll do the things from having you know, post-it parties, which is basically where you write down ideas um, and you know, post them up as to what you want to do, to going back and forth um, you know, in person. So I like to do a lot of these things in person uh, because you can actually um, you know, read body language um, to see what it is, and then I also, this is also very important, is having all the decision makers in on all the initial meetings, uh, at least at a minimum, uh, so that we can understand you know, what the CEO is expecting versus what uh, the product owner is, ex is, is expecting uh, out of the product, making sure that you know, both of those um, visions are aligned. Um, so you know, those are some of the techniques that we do. 
uh, it's very simple, but it's very effective. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Do you find that you do that with your employees then too, just so you guys are all on the same page, especially with those like post-it note um, problem solving sessions? I think that's fascinating. Can you talk more to that? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you were to come into our office, you would see uh, probably a, a thousand post-it notes around Emily's uh, cubicle uh, of notes that she takes uh, just from, you know, sessions that we have with customers, uh, one-on-ones uh, that we have within, you know, our staff meetings and kind of things like that. Um, you know, I like to have um, focused meetings, not a lot of meetings, um, but we'll, uh, we'll all gather around the whiteboard. Um, We'll write down ideas up there. Uh, the other team members will write down post-it notes and we'll use the whiteboard, you know, as well. Um, but we asked some fundamental questions, you know, as you know, what are we trying to accomplish? What is the problem? You know, that, you know, how can we best serve the customer? You know, that's actually at the end of the day what we want to do um, the best at, you know, be the best at is, is serving the customer. And sometimes you have to push back a little bit. Um, and challenge, you know, what it is they're asking you to do because it's really easy to add complication to an application, uh, talking about a software application or a process, and it's, but it's really hard to say no to certain features. Um, so, yeah, I mean, with, with the post-it thing is just getting all of the things out there and then picking out what we're going to say no to. That's really what it boils down to. Mm. So I guess that do you try to align with your core values when you're starting to pick out the yes and no's and all that? Um, do you help your employees figure out what is the best way to approach this? Um, because obviously you're probably not doing all of the, the sales and the customer interactions necessarily. Um, what does that look like when you do that weeding, I guess? Yeah, so, so there's a multi-part question there. Um, with the employees, uh, yes, we do discuss what our core values are as a, as a corporation, um, and we kind of go over those, and those are, you know, always bound in ethical and moral transactions, but they're always changing, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. Like, for example, um, it was really big in the software world, um, and it still is, uh, to have agile development processes, and, and, and agile is actually a version of Scrum. And you know, Scrum's a completely different methodology um, than what was traditional, which is kind of like a waterfall um, development cycle. And so this kind of all ties it together. Um, so we, you know, just being like every um, other software shop, uh, hopped on the Agile bandwagon and uh, said, hey, you know, we want to do this. We want it because it sounds really cool. They have an ethos. They even have a, um, an Agile manifesto out there for developing practices. And, um, you know, so we tried that and we tried that with our customers, but we found out that people that are hiring um, consultants, which is what we do and, um, you know, we're contractors, um, that they are doing it for a reason. And the reason is, is that they don't have the time to do, um, say, follow-ups as frequently as um, you would in a traditional agile cycle. So we've had to amend, you know, that to be more of a more traditional uh, work uh, breakout structure type of a thing, which actually gives the client much more detail. Um, but we still do we still do 
the follow-ups with the customers and then showing them the products, which is something that you wouldn't normally do in a traditional kind of work breakdown structure. Uh, you would kind of say, you know, here are the milestones perhaps. You would check up on those and then you would, uh, you know, eventually just deliver the product whether they like it or not. <laughs> and then you would uh, kind of go back to the change requests. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm just uh, kind of explaining, you know, how we do it um, and how we've had to pivot, you know, into, uh, you know, getting our um, you know, values, morals identified uh, for the company. And then, you know, that kind of helps us in, you know, uh, connecting with and talking to the customer. Yeah, absolutely. Ali, do you have anything else to add to that? Yeah, um, I think another really good thing that we do to weed out between what ideas we want to follow up on and what ideas we don't is to ask our initial what do you want question in a couple of ways. Uh, we found that if you go in and you ask, like, what do you want us to make for you? Sometimes you get ideas that seem a little complex or there are a lot of ideas and it's a lot to do. But once you start framing that question, for example, if something's already if there's something that already exists or if they want to improve upon something, if you frame the question like, what doesn't work about this right now? Normally you'll find that their answer of what doesn't work and their answer of what they want, there's an overlap there and you can really sort of bear down on that overlapping section. Like you might find that they want some super complex, like lots of options, lots of different features, whatever they're asking for. But then you kind of get to the core of it and you're like, oh, it's just normally really annoying to set up, for example, this list or this whatever they're trying to make. And once you realize what the core problem that they're trying to solve is, it's so much easier to be like, oh, here's a way to fix it. Maybe it's a little different than what you thought you wanted initially, but it really fixes the problem. Yeah. And another um, thing that we found too is I really like the UI UX side of things. And a lot of times we found that when you start laying out your proposed solution, there's some parts of it that you just don't like. They just don't feel right. They feel a little too complex. And there's just something when you look at them, you're like, mm, that's not, that could be improved on. And a lot of times those are the places we'll go at to start kind of taking out some extra ideas, really getting it down to the core of what we're trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's super cool. And I think that totally relates to managing your own team too. Mm -hmm. Those pinpoints and asking different questions. What kind of questions do you ask your team then if they're stuck in this rut of, figuring out what software developing looks like for the, your clients um, and how do you help them through that stage, I guess, of pinning down those points and uh, asking those different questions. Well, it, it all goes back to the project that we're working on and you know, what, the, what the customers asked us to do. Um, so you know, I always like to kind of start big and then start you know, polishing away, you know, whittling away the polishing, sanding down, um, you know, those to the more granular questions. Um, so, you know, we generally, you know, we'll, we'll go back to the client, the customer, you know, we're not afraid to go back to the customer to ask them questions. You know, if we have 
feel that we've misinterpreted something or if we feel that uh, perhaps uh, we're going down a path that isn't uh, the right path for the, for the project that we're working on. So, you know, we encourage an open dialogue. Uh, generally, it'll be, um, you know, started with a sales rep or an account uh, person, uh, and then it works its way into, um, you know, engineering, uh, UI, UX, uh, for those type of things. Um, you know, that, that would be from the, um, uh, you know, from the kind of the engineer outward and then from the customer inward until there is a way until you know it makes sense to have the engineer talk directly to the customer yeah emily do you have anything to add to that yeah the open dialogue thing has been pretty important for us a lot of times um if you're working on something alone or one of our employees is working on something alone and they're pretty stuck on it sometimes we'll just sit down and not even talk about a specific thing they're working on just talk about the concept as a whole and a lot of times you can really find whatever the sticking point there is. And so instead of going at it and saying something like, why aren't you getting this done? Or why isn't this done the way we want it to? Just kind of casually chatting about the project ends up bringing up the problem. And a lot of times it's a problem that either we can fix or just talking about it fixes, or we can change how we're going at it just a little bit to make it easier to manage. Yeah, no, that's super cool. I love that you guys use that teamwork aspect and then start changing mindsets just by using a simple conversation instead of asking, well, why aren't you getting this done? Mm -hmm. This isn't working for us. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's definitely true. Um, one of the things that I don't like to do is I don't like to point fingers. Uh, my goal is results. You know, I, I'm not worried about how many, you know, um, you know, what time an employee comes in, what time an employee leaves, what time they go to lunch, et cetera. Uh, you know, we do quote out billable hours to our customers, so we are, you know, recording those. Um, but, you know, a funny anecdote is, is that, uh, you know, Emily has a very strong background in mathematics, and uh, she's working on a very technical, uh, above my head, um, mathematics problem for one of our customers. Uh, we're building out an algorithm for them. And, um, you know, she was saying, hey, James, you know, I, I'm having some problems here. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure you know, what we should do. And so she and I, we sat down, we met. Um, I was basically just listening. You know, I said, well, you know, can you explain it to me? And, um, you know, throughout that, she started whiteboarding things out. She started, you know, doing all the mad scientist work on the, on the chalkboard. And, and she figured out her problem. And I'm just, you know, kind of being a person there, listening, understanding, asking questions. Um, like I said, it's definitely above my head, but um, just being available to each other to um, kind of riff off of um, is so important. I like how you saw the listening part too. That's, that's cool. Do you want to expand on that, Emily? Yeah, and sometimes just like James said, talking things out loud at someone or to someone is so beneficial because even just the slight difference in the way you think about things in your head versus the way you think about it when you're actually forming it into words and saying it, sometimes you'll come across a huge hole in the way you were thinking when you actually have to like make it into words and say it. Or sometimes if you've 
only been talking about it in a group, then you go home later and you're kind of thinking about it in your head. You're like, oh, that's how, that's the solution for this. So just always adding more forms of communication is helpful. And even sometimes with emails, like we'll have a discussion and we'll have talked about something all day. And then I'll go home and write a summary email about it to the client. And during writing that email, I come up with something that like really ties it all together and improves our understanding of it a lot. So just having different forms of communication and allowing different forms of communication for whatever type of communication the person you're talking to works best in, that's so helpful. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It, it, I love that, Emily, that you said that um, going to their style of communication is so incredibly helpful because otherwise you might be emailing them mm-hmm. and they remotely enjoy email. They don't. Right part of the email strain. So um, yeah, them and understand them on their level is so, so, so mm-hmm. yeah, Even just important. down to the way you talk to them, like the kind of language you use when you talk to them is different, like, and super helpful. We have some clients where the way we talk to them is much more formal and a lot more professional. And then we have some clients where we walk in and you're like, yo, bro, what's up? Like having a good day. And it's super casual. And once you find out the way they communicate with you best, it's, they're so much more comfortable with you and it's just so easy to work with them. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have something to add, James? No, Emily actually just uh, said exactly what I was thinking, uh, is mm-hmm. that you have to be able to uh, adapt and you have to be able to you know, be within the comfort zone of the people that you're talking with. And, and, and this goes for coaching in general. Uh, you know, we talked about listening. So, you know, I think in order to be, you know, a good coach, you need to be able to listen and then you need to be able to offer, you know, constructive criticism and advice. But, you, you know, you also need to be able to talk with somebody um, in a format that they're comfortable with and using, if they're, if they're a fast talker, you know, you might need to speed it up a little bit. If they're a slow talker, you might need to slow it down a little bit. Um, but you know, if you go into a place and everybody is wearing a suit, well, when you meet with these people, you should probably wear a suit. Um, it keeps people in their comfort, you know, for the most part. And then, uh, and then you can start challenging questions, you know, with uh, the way that they're thinking. Because, you know, your job is not to just kind of assimilate and be uh, a yes man or yes woman. It's to, you know, get in there, get comfortable. Um, and, you know, that's what I say to anybody who's starting a job is that, um, you know, whenever you start your first day, you know, don't go in and start rocking the ship immediately, you know, understand what it is you're working with first. And then uh, once you get comfortable, uh, then start offering suggestions. Yeah, no, for sure. I love that. I like that you said the listening and not rocking the ship at first. That's huge. Um, Yeah. Do you guys have anything else to add about any of that? Can't really think of much. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Um, well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Where can people find you if they want to know more about you? Thank you. Uh, so our website is teamsparktech.net. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, it's uh, linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash James develops. Uh, and then you can find our um, business on there by looking for SparkTech and uh, you can find uh, our profiles that way. Awesome, perfect. I will put that in the show notes so people can find you. 
Sweet. Well, thank you so much, James and Emily. I uh, really enjoyed having a conversation today. Thank you. Yeah, it's our thanks. pleasure. It was great talking to you. This podcast is proudly produced by Waypoint. What is Waypoint? Well, if you want to coach your team and not manage them, then Waypoint is worth checking out. Head over to waypointhq.com to learn more or email me directly, mike at waypointhq.com, and I'll demo it for you myself. Thanks for listening.